Pod Capsule Center. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Boss Man. Yo, how's it going? Not so jet lagged, but I am tired. I'm very tired. We just got back from Mexico, and what a place. Mexico City. I had uh, really the time of my life in Mexico City with you and everybody else that attended DC Mex 2021. Yeah, how cool is it? Like the two countries have such a deep relationship. That's one of the things I really noticed in Mexico. It's like America and Mexico, like they're big, big deals to each other, brother and sister, you know? But like, it's so different. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. I mean, Mexico is such an old culture. Food is incredible. I mean, it's exciting. The interesting thing about Mexico City, it's like one of the biggest, most epic, important cities in the world, but it's not always top of mind for everybody, especially Americans, even though it's just right across the border. And so if you haven't just Googled Mexico City skyline or just check it out, it's epic. And we just had a blast there. So Ian, the concept of today's episode is that we just hung out with hundreds of location-independent entrepreneurs, of forward thinkers, listeners of this podcast. We want to hold ourselves to the task of identifying 10 key trends in the location-independent community for 2022. That's going to be the core of the episode. At the end of the episode, we're going to talk about some business learnings and some 2022 plans. At the top, I thought it would be cool if we just had some personal reflections from our first event in over two years. And apologize for the scruffy voice. We have just been absolutely just chat boxes for, for six straight days. The first is typically we have this podcast. We, you know, we built and sold a multi-million dollar e-commerce business. We shared that story on the pod. We've hosted events all over the world. And typically when I go to them, I sort of feel like Ian, like, you know, we're not experts, but we're sort of, we're elders in the community. You know, we've been around the block a couple times. We're typically some of the older members. You know, we typically have run more businesses than a lot of the members. And that's, you know, I don't think of myself as the most advanced entrepreneur at our events by any means, but typically a little bit more towards, you know, the top range. And this time around, Ian, I just felt like (laughs) mid-pack. I felt like I was around so many people who knew so much more than me, who had incredible business stories, successes, failures. And I just felt like it was incredible to see the listeners of this podcast just go out and get it and make something incredible out of their lives and careers. Well, yeah, I kind of felt the same way, Dan, maybe even a little bit further in the pack because we're starting this new business down in my jobs. And it just kind of like reframed everything for me because I got to see people that were also starting new businesses and then people that were kind of at the end of their business, maybe thinking about selling or maybe thinking about just reaping the benefits of running a business for five or 10 years. So we're actually going to talk about how like most people did during this pandemic. We got a data point or two. For us, I think it was interesting to see ourselves alongside people that were also starting new businesses. One topic I wanted to get your reflections on, Ian, is how did Mexico City compare for you to Bangkok? or to Austin, for that matter, as a place for us to have our premium events. Okay, so we came to a couple of conclusions, I think. We're going to start to roll out our 2020 
to schedule. Not yet, though. We'll tease that. You got to stick around. (laughs) Okay, so in terms of Bangkok, I would say Mexico City is the same, if not a little bit better, for holding the types of events that we hold. And here's the reason for that. We had this event in Polanco at the Intercontinental. Basically, and a lot of people said, like, you know, Polanco isn't real Mexico City. Okay, I understand that. But if you're trying to organize a couple hundred people in one location with ease of access to good restaurants, a safe environment, the ability to walk basically anywhere and everywhere you need to be, Polanco is kind of the place I think to do it. It's actually a lot easier to throw an event than Bangkok because in Bangkok, we're always trying to figure out how to move a couple hundred people like a mile. And in Bangkok, like in traffic, that could be like a half an hour. So Polanco is like relatively quiet. It's very easy to get an Uber if you want to get anything. But for us, like all of our venues were within like two to five minutes walking distance, which I just thought was fantastic because the idea is to obviously go to a different city, one you might not live in. And for me, that was Mexico City. So that was amazing. I got to be introduced to this new city. But then also just ease of use. Like I want to be able to talk to people and talk business and like hop over to the taco shop when I have like an extra 15 minutes. Mexico City does that amazingly. The other thing that I've, I realized, Dan, with you is, you know, we've been throwing this event in Austin. And part of the reason we threw it in Austin was because it was relatively easy for us. We understood the city. I'm based in Austin. Here's one thing that kind of got my mind going, though, about like these events for our community in general. I don't think that we should be throwing events where people necessarily want to live full time. And here's what I mean by that. People were taking photos of them like in the hot air balloon. They were taking photos of themselves at these museums. They were taking photos of themselves at all these different tourist attractions. And I think that that's what you want when you go to an event. You want to be in a place that's new, that's exciting, that also has a ton of other things to do outside of the conference. Because most of the people that came to this conference, they either came in early or they're staying longer. So some people are staying a couple of days. Some people are staying a couple of months. Some people even live there. And when I look back at our Austin event, I think we really put a lot on our attendees to make it fun. Meaning like first thing is like you have to have a car, <laughs> which is just kind of crazy. Like if you're going to be there for two weeks, like you have to have a car, you have to be like constrained in downtown Austin. There's no hot air balloons in downtown Austin. So although I think Austin is like a great place to live, it's a great place to have a family. It's a great place to do that like long term. It's very hard actually to do it for a weekend. And it's very expensive. Mexico City, again, you fly in, you take an Uber, and then like everything is within walking distance or very accessible. So I think I'm kind of starting to reframe this idea, Dan, that like events or at least DC events should be in places that you want to visit, not necessarily you want to live long term, if that makes sense. There's a lot of things you made sense that I want to pull out there. The first is that. They say all language is tribal or all language indicates community. The fact that you said I'm based in Austin, Texas, instead of I live in Austin, Texas, is very much a community thing I noticed this weekend. Stay based, bro. When you start basing (laughs) yourself places, you're an insider. (laughs) The other thing is like, if you're an entrepreneur in America, there are a few places that are better to be based than Austin, Texas. There are tons of creatives and entrepreneurs in the city right now. And now all the big tech companies are coming. It is popping off. But here's the reality. Austin isn't a global city. Austin's the capital of Texas. I mean, it's a great place for entrepreneurship. It's a great place for live music. It's an awesome city, but it's not a global city, you know? 
And like, look, you got to fly into Houston and then fly over to Austin. And, you know, Mexico City is a cosmopolitan city with 20 million people. And it's the capital of a great nation. You know, (laughs) there's a lot going on in Mexico City. When you look at it just from a practical perspective, like you said, it's so practical. The infrastructure is fantastic for an event like this. Then the bottom line is the bottom line is for your money, you are getting so much in Mexico City. And I think that's one thing our Austin event really lacked was the value of your dollars there. I thought I was getting good Mexican food in in California and Austin. Turns out I had to go to Mexico to get really good Mexican food. (laughs) So there's that too. Well, cool. Those are some personal reflections at the top. Got a few emails from folks that said this was our best event ever. There's just this enthusiasm in the community for people to get back together. A lot of us, it felt like we were holding hands and jumping into the cold deep end at the same time. You know, we're back, we're doing this thing, we're at a live event, we're on an international flight. It was a weekend of firsts for so many of us. Incredibly special. Can't wait to keep it going. Well, I had heard that too, Dan, that this was our best event ever. And I just started telling people this is our best event since 2019. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things for sure, Ian, you know, I said it in my opening remarks is like the DC and DC events haven't necessarily changed that much. It's the community that's changed. It's the level of success they're achieving. One of the personal reflections I had as I was walking around with my badge on the little skull face on it and like watching all the swag and the t-shirts in the room and everything and i just thought man this is a dc event like this is what we do like we've been doing this for 10 years whether it's berlin bangkok austin mexico city that can change but the people in the room the topics we're covering just felt very much like a dc event i was just so excited to be back One of the best parts about going to these events and meeting hundreds of listeners of this podcast, Ian, is we get to identify trends as they're happening on the ground before they hit the internet. Let's hold ourselves to the task to identify our 10 favorite location-independent trends for 2022. My first trend is the legibility of using agency and service business models as a profitable stair step to product, to platform, and beyond. Essentially, using services and agency business model as a way to stair step your way to wealth. One of the interesting things, Ian, about coming back after 10 years is like back in like year number one, and for us, you know, say 2008, 2009, there's a lot of question marks like, is this even a thing? Are we going to make it? Like, where's everybody else that's doing this? And 10 years in, you get to see the patterns. And look, if you don't have a lot of money, one of the best ways to develop a sense for how you can build great products is to provide services as a stair step. And a lot of speakers talked about how they parlayed their cash flows, their customers, and their experience into really profitable products, exits, and importantly, relationships that lead to insights that can ultimately result in wealth for the entrepreneurs. This is like a really big topic, Dan. You know, the idea that you're going to stair step from services into product, like there's a bunch of reasons why you'd want to do that. For some people, there's a bunch of reasons why you wouldn't want to do it. But I think what we're doing over at Dynamite Jobs and what a bunch of people on stage this week talked about were the reasons why you should or why you can and why you probably should have done it earlier. One of the things that's apparent and I believe is true, is that like, if you want to be a product company, or if you want to be a SaaS company, if you want to be 
any of these types of companies that have more profitability, generally speaking, than an agency, one of the best ways to do it is through a service. The reason the best way to do it is through a service is because you're actually interacting with your customers, you're solving real problems, you're basically figuring a way to to systematize it or to create a product. If you're in the audience, like scratching your head, like what are these guys talking about here? What does that actually mean for me? It means if you're daydreaming right now about how to build this lifestyle, get wealthy on the web, so to speak, and you're like coming up with product ideas or trying to model SaaS entrepreneurs and stuff, what we're seeing in the pattern is, nah, man, start a service, go directly to your target market. And there's a path of legibility. You can get involved in the community. You can find it on the web now, how people are parlaying those profits and those procedures into meaningful products. And the best part is if you want to sell your agency, if you want to sell your service business, now those are legible too. So you can do that. We had a wonderful speaker named Jody Cook who talked about she had a company named after herself that she exited without an earnout. Okay. Now she's turning those profits into a really exciting platform she's working on. It's those kinds of stories we're seeing that like, ah, this is a thing. People understand this. You can do this. It's a really effective way to cash flow your way into a very profitable product business. All right. Our second location independent trend, back to the basics. My talk, Ian, was all about how we simply applied our entrepreneurial skill set in the most fundamental way possible. You know, the things like working really hard, customer development, doing the dirty work, focusing on profitability, like things that are going to put the podcast audience to sleep (laughs) that we actually do on a daily basis. There was a lot of this talk of simplicity, getting back to basics. And that's actually what a business is about, not necessarily the next big fad, shiny object syndrome, or the coolest idea. Yeah, it's, it's weird to say back to the basics. I mean, you cited in your talk, which I thought was great, Kobe and his footwork, Tiger and his alignment, you know, one of my favorite weird things to do, Dan, on these international flights is to like reorganize my computer. I don't know if anybody else does this, but I like go in. I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is the time I have to like make sense of my desktop and all my files. Anyways, I like started watching like old racing videos that I had in car and like it was cringy. It was like cringy because of the things that I was doing wrong, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was doing that five or 10 years ago. And they were just basics, man. There was just like basic hand placement, basic strategy, basic this, basic that. I think John Ainsworth, Leanna Patch, they both had great talks. In a lot of ways, they were just about the basics. You know, John was talking about ways to upsell your customers, ways to ask them for more money. Leanna was talking about copywriting, specifically writing to humans from humans. And I think this is just back to the basics. I mean, they gave some pretty concrete examples of what to do and what not to do. But if you think about it and you just unwind a bit, it's like, hey, we're not a large corporation. We're a small company. Other small companies most of the time are buying from us. Let's talk to them like humans. Let's make them feel valued. Let's make them feel special. And that's just basic stuff. Maybe we've gone a little bit too far with our checkout page. Maybe we've gone a little bit too far with like how creative we're getting here and like how much we're looking into the analytics of all this stuff. Like, what if we just pull back and with like a virgin eye, we look at this website and say, like, man, I cannot figure out what's going on. And so, thanks to John and Leanna, I think, for really outlining and you at this conference how to get back to basics. There's a secret to why so many listeners of this show are in the know when it comes to SEO. That's right. They call smashdigital.com. The founder, Travis Jameson, has been on the show countless of times. 
and I got to say a heartfelt and honestly has been an incredible inspiration and has done so much for the listeners of this show in terms of them ranking better and creating more results for themselves and their families. That's my copy. Here's the ad copy. So many listeners of this pod use the services of smashdigital.com. They really know what they're talking about. This is a skin in the game operation. That means they use the exact same methods for their clients that they do to rank their own portfolio of profitable businesses. They are selling the strategies that they are using. They are practitioners and it's incredibly empowering to deal with no BS experts who are just straight up and honest about what they can and can't do for your rankings and SEO in general. Bottom line is this, smashdigital.com provides SEO services for people who understand SEO. So if you want to have Smash Digital in your business's back pocket or just learn more about what they do, check them out over at smashdigital.com. A big shout out to the team over there for sponsoring the TNBA pod. All right. Number three, location independent trend. This one was surprising to me, Ian, because during COVID, our revenues got cut in half. And we had a really bad time for a lot of it until we got on the horse and figured out some things over at Dynamite Jobs. I was sort of expecting a lot of commiseration at this conference. Like, oh man, COVID was tough. Do you gain 20 pounds too? I gained 20 pounds. You know, that kind of talk. I was all ready for it. You know, like, let's hug it out, man. It's been so tough. It turned out everybody did great. <laughs> I couldn't pull. Yeah, it turns out everybody bought crypto and pivoted and figured it out a lot faster maybe than even we did. Yeah, we did a show of hands across the room and we were limited to 220 chairs. And I swear it felt like 200 put their hands up when I said who improved, who actually grew their revenues. And you're right, for those even who took hits like us, we actually grew our revenues too because we have control. And I think that that's really an interesting lesson through this. Yeah, I mean, we just didn't get fired from a job and we're out there in the cold because our industry changed. We just changed industries and did something new and applied our entrepreneurial skills in a different direction. Actually, I was genuinely surprised how well the listenership of this podcast has done throughout the pandemic from a business perspective. I was surprised too, Dan. And then I started to think about it. And kind of the conclusion I came to is like, no one wants to lose their freedom. Like no one wants to lose their business. No one wants to lose their trajectory. And like, I think everybody in the room is like willing to do whatever it takes to keep it going. And you had a, a slide in your presentation that was uh, back up against the wall. 2008, we really felt like our back was up against the wall. We like had to start this business. We like saw the managers in front of us and we're like, man, I can't let my life look like that. I got so much opportunity here. I got to do something about it. And for us, it was the same thing. You know, we sat down at my house. We figured out where we were going, what our problems were, and we realized like, hey, man, our backs are up against the wall. Like Our revenue is getting cut. And I think even the people that raised their hand that said that they were doing well, I heard a lot of stories about them having to make changes quickly and pivot in their business and do things that would allow them to continue to do well financially, basically, in the last year or two. I think it's made people like refactor in a lot of ways. And I think they're actually going to come out with more resilient businesses than they went in with. All right. So Ian, we've made it to number four, which is the hiring crunch, a major, major trend. Like, you know, we've got the supply chain crunch. We had a a wonderful presentation by Lisa Norman about resiliency for e-commerce entrepreneurs, given the things going on with supply chain. And most businesses are having similar issues with hiring. You know, it used to be the case that 
the fact that you were location independent was good enough to get great talent because it was such an incredible benefit. There was a trending post on Hacker News the other day that said the amount of jobs that mention remote you know, through the pandemic went up to like 80% or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, this is a benefit that everybody offers and it's definitely being felt in the community. I just want to talk about that Hacker News post for a minute, Dan, because it actually got me fired up. I love this. Yeah, somebody basically posted the times in which a remote is mentioned in a job listing has gone up by like 80% or whatever it was. And they showed this like graph and a bunch of people weighed in, like Paul Graham weighed in and a bunch of other people in the tech space. This gets me fired up because people in our community and us, we've been hiring remote for like over 10 years. I don't think the winner is necessarily the first to, to market or the first to space just because we started doing this 10 years ago. It doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to win, especially with DJ. But I will say this, like, I think it's going to be interesting to watch funded companies and like traditional tech try and own this narrative as if they invented it. Because <laughs> this is what these guys do is like they identify something that's already been going on that they didn't invent and they try and own the narrative of it. So everybody just watch for that in the next couple of years. <laughs> that's, that's my little ramp. I will say this about like hiring in, in 2022. And we said this on the podcast before, it is basically like everyone is manufacturing in China now. And what I mean by that is like, if you were manufacturing in the United States like 25 years ago, and it wasn't like a specialized process, like you probably lost because lower cost manufacturing went to China. And now it's like everyone is manufacturing in China. So how do I get ahead? And I think this is especially what companies are trying to figure out in our space, the bootstrap space, Dan, because these tech companies have come in and they basically said, hey, we're going to hire remote as well. And they actually have a lot more budget for it. So it's getting a lot more competitive to try and hire people remotely because we're having to compete with traditional tech companies that generally have a lot more budget. There's going to be a lot of action in this space because there's a lot of problems to be solved. And that's new because honestly, we've had it easy, Ian. Like you said, we used to just trot out these internships and, and these jobs on this podcast and we get hundreds of applications of people wanting the opportunity to work remote. Well, that ain't happening anymore. One of the other things that I learned is that even in our space, like a lot of companies aren't differentiating between HR and recruiting. And so I just want to do that really quickly. I heard a couple stories of like people kind of running their own hiring campaigns and bringing on people and then those people leaving relatively quickly after they brought them on and they were kind of surprised by that. And I think one of the conclusions I came to is like people don't necessarily understand the difference between HR and recruiting because most people are calling this HR. And if you think about like traditional HR, you think about like or at least I think about like handing out employee handbooks and like kind of organizing the talent, you know, maybe like doing a happy hour or things like this, like making sure people are generally happy. I think that there's a role for that in organizations. And we're seeing actually people bring that person on much earlier than you'd think, like between 10 and 20 people. But the problem is that they're also having that person do the recruiting. And I think the recruiting is like very different. So the recruiting is actually like finding, identifying, and then understanding the trajectory of candidates and making sure that it aligns with the company. I think that's like the biggest opportunity for us at DJ, Dan is like helping people to understand that like finding and then like making sure that the talent is on the same path as the company 
I think that's that's where a lot of people are failing too, because essentially it's like relatively easy to like post a job and like get some applications. It's very hard to dig through those applications and figure out if they're going to work out for your company. And I think a lot of people are putting this on their like HR manager or their HR person. They're not suited for that. All right. Number five, Ian, is the professionalization or I've called it blogization of social channels. We saw a lot of entrepreneurs this weekend choosing a particular social channel and getting highly systematized about their creativity, about their posting, and about their results, driving real business from these things that just look like fun from the outside. We saw a great presentation from Andy Morgan from RippedBody.com. He's one of the leading health and fitness experts in Japan. Also just a really fun and generous guy to be around gave a wonderful presentation about how he's focused on Instagram because he used to do in-depth blog articles, which, you know, a lot of us in the early internet days, that was, and still like, that's a professional channel. You pay a company to do it for you, you optimize it and it drives meaningful engagement with customers. Now we're seeing that done through things like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram in this case. It just really opened my eyes to like, you know, being a professional is possible on these platforms and how to do so is getting more legible. And I thought that that was just a major theme. A lot of us still just dabble in this stuff or have emotional resistance to it because you know it can make you unhappy. You see a lot of unsavory things on there or you see a lot of posers on there or whatever. And I think what Andy's talk really did for me is cut through all that baggage and said, look, this is a business opportunity to educate your market and to grow your business. I thought that was really inspiring. And what was astounding for me is how it's a content generation machine. Like Andy's doing the same thing that he would have done for like blog posts, but it's just like a different medium. The other thing that Andy's doing that he showed us with a calendar is he's like being militant in the way that he posts and also the way that he organizes his content. He has like a whole spreadsheet for it. It was really great to see it because I think most of us are consumers of these social media platforms. And you can see on the other side of it, like the time and energy and effort and structure that goes into it. And it still looks like entertainment, which I think is really cool. The difficult part for us as entrepreneurs is understanding that really grokking the idea like a lot of folks in the room did, which is you have to make native content if you want to be successful on these platforms. And so what so many businesses do is they want to generate the type of content they want to generate, and then they want to syndicate it to all these places. That strategy is not working in 2022. If you want to have success and drive meaningful traffic, you have to create native content that the folks on those platforms are looking for. That's what the professionals are doing. That's what listeners of this podcast are doing, and they're making a lot of money doing it. Number six, Crypto holders as a percentage of the community is increasing rapidly. Ian, I just did a photo dump on my phone and I want to do one of these blog posts. It's like, you know, DC Max and 50 photos or whatever. And I did one of these back in 2016. I thought, oh, it'd be interesting. What happened back in 2016? And I was like going through all the photos and one of them had this like little, you know, picture frame on it and it was like a, a session poster. And the session name was why you should invest in Bitcoin. And I was like, oh, oh that was, there's a lot of money made in that session. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult to overstate the effect that crypto has had on this community. We had multiple sessions on it, lots of meetups, lots of crypto holders, lots of people doing more advanced Web3 things 
we had a few white papers in the community back in the 2017 era. Now we're seeing a lot of people with all kinds of token knowledge with people doing DeFi lending, yield farming, much more advanced things with Web3. This isn't going anywhere. And it, it sort of made me think, you know, it really changes the room when all of a sudden you just got very wealthy people. You know, it changes how they approach their business. It changes the sorts of topics they're interested in. That was interesting. And then it also just got me thinking about like what kind of impact this is having on the world. Like there is going to be, much like we saw in the tech space, there is going to be a whole new generation of incredibly wealthy people who've had incredible business success driving markets, you know? I'm just really curious to see what the impact is because we've seen what the impact of Silicon Valley has been with the web. And one of the things I said, I was at a lunch table and I'm 40 years old and there was nobody at that lunch table that was older than me. That was the first thing I noticed. And then the second thing is no one was old enough to remember when everybody thought the internet was a joke. And there was a bunch of people in San Francisco who were like, you know what's not a joke? The internet. Okay. We got all these dreams. I remember when there was no phones. The idea that Uber would exist was it, you would sound like an insane person to say that you're going to be able to have a device in your hand, you're going to click it, and then a car driven by some person who's not a taxi driver will come pick you up and take you to a house that's not a hotel that you're renting from the owner of that house and they live in the room next. Like You would be a crazy person. So when someone at lunch table tells me that I'm going to get a mortgage in 10 years from someone who's not a bank, you know, I don't think they're crazy. I'm excited by it. The community is excited by it. It's definitely a trend in 2022. So thanks to Gerbs. Uh, he goes by Gerbs now. I don't even think he has a last name. And then uh, <laughs> Travis Jameson for giving talks on crypto. Both those guys like gave really advanced talks about like the things that you can do basically after you buy a little Bitcoin or after you buy a little bit of Ethereum, like some of the stable coins and like you said, some of the yield farming and all the other things that you can do. One thing that kind of struck me about both of these guys, uh, first of all, both these guys are like super humble and they both made, I'm sure, a super large amount of crypto. I'm not even going to say money <laughs> doing this is that they don't know what's going on. They're able to make like a lot of money because they're making these investments, but like it is so early days. That's what I took away from both of these presentations. It is so early days. These like protocols are getting built. Things are happening very fast. Like Travis in his presentation, I think he's like, Well, I don't know about this one because it just popped up last week, but I'm gonna like invest some coin into it. You know, it's it's <laughs> so early days. And the reason that these yields are so good is because it's early days. And I think that's one of the things that Gerbs and Travis both pointed out, which is like, we don't know what's gonna happen here. Most likely the returns are gonna get less because there's gonna be less risk. But right now it does feel like the first frontier of the internet. It's hard enough to figure out that, you know, that's part of where the margin's coming from, right? Is that not everybody can just go do it. So, you know, if you're a younger entrepreneur or aspiring one listening to this, part of the theme we're seeing this weekend is like if people think it's a little bit crazy or fringy or new, like there's so much opportunity there. The lesson is to go hang out someplace where there's a lot of upheaval and change and opportunity and just hang out there and learn about it. This is a an opportunity of a lifetime for young people to learn about web three. And you know, you see it on the e-com side with like stuff like TikTok, right? Like now all of a sudden, like you don't have to like figure out how to get your products onto TikTok. You can just 
build a product that's like native to TikTok. Like what do people there look at? What do they want? How can you make it for them, right? Go hang out where the upheaval is. Keep it simple. Stick to the basics. We've seen a lot of people make their careers with just basic agility and the basics of just being open-minded and learning about these amazing new technologies. The seventh trend for 2022, Ian, is I just wanted to talk about like which locations in the room were trending. We were all in a location together, so it's not, it's not science. Mm-hmm. The locations that I feel like are trending, I think Austin had a great COVID. There was a lot of people coming to Austin after the conference. So that was kind of interesting to see that as a trend. Like, we're going to Austin. I was like, oh, cool. That's great. Colorado. The more and more I visit Colorado, the more I realize other people are going to, and I start to see it. So yes, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but also the data is there. A ton of Californians actually moved to the mountains of Colorado. There's a large community contingent based in Denver and Boulder, and they're actually hosting an event there on behalf of the DC in March, a ski trip. Pretty exciting there. The only people that despise immigrants to their state more than Austin, Texas is uh, Colorado. Those guys, they see a Texas license plate, man, you better run. They, they do not <laughs> like it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. A lot, a lot of influential people in the community are identifying Lisbon. I mean, Lisbon's been popular in the community for a long time, Years. but just continues to have a W during COVID, have a W in the community. Lots of influential people looking to build a base there. Playa del Carmen and Mexico City just seem to have done great during COVID. If you wanted to keep like the digital nomad lifestyle alive during COVID, you found that Playa del Carmen and Mexico City were bastions of freedom for that. It's really remarkable how many people are now based there as they wait for options. You know, obviously the trend is that Asia was a pretty binary thing. Like you either left Asia or you're like kind of one of the last people hanging out there. So it's definitely interesting to see, you know, who took L's and who took W's during COVID. You saw a ton of people leave California and San Francisco. That seems to be a little bit more enduring than, you know, we saw a lot of people leave New York City, but kind of go back, which I kind of understand. Like New Yorkers seem really passionate about the city. We visited New York in May and it was just an absolute blast. People don't seem that hot on California anymore, but we'll see how it plays out in 2022. I do think that, like, especially for me, Dan, like, this trip definitely opened my eyes in terms of like how close Mexico City is, like everything it has to offer. And then also seeing it as like a long-term reliable place to like get things done and to work and to live. Like it actually has infrastructure. And just like going back to like the Austin versus like Mexico City, like that doesn't seem like a very fair comparison in a lot of ways. But it's interesting for me because I can literally just get on a plane, go to Mexico, and like my life is it's easy there. Like transportation's easy, like I can walk to everything. I think that's a lot of the appeal of Asia too. And that's the reason why a lot of people like imported there, right? Because they can have this very stable, easy life and like get a bunch of work done because these locations are so efficient for nomads. So it will be interesting to see like what happens with Mexico long-term because I think a lot of people, including me, their eyes were open to the opportunity of doing the same like kind of Asia experience in Mexico City. How do we translate this? For years, we've talked about go to Chiang Mai. It's like, the freshman dorms of digital nomadism. And well, yeah, you could do that in Mexico City too for a really reasonable amount of money monthly. Just hang out in crypto circles all week and figure out what the interesting projects are, what the interesting problems to solve are, what the interesting new technologies are. Learn about it for a year. 
it's like taking a master's degree and it's cheaper, your cash flow in the whole thing, and that could change your entire career. It's not just like cheap tacos and going down there and having fun and living exciting. That's cool. But the reason we talk about this so much is these are the levers that people pull to change their lives. And also, by the way, you know, you get out of a lot of social commitments down there. And all of a sudden, <laughs> one of the interesting things is, is you're like 2.5 hours away from social oblivion. Like <laughs> it is a different world down there. And so if what you want to do with that social freedom is lock yourself in a co-working space for six months, you can do it. Yeah. You know, one conversation I didn't have all weekend, Dan, and I didn't overhear was a United States political discussion <laughs> about anything. <laughs> Let me take a moment to talk about our recruiting services at Dynamite Jobs. If you're thinking about hiring, our team can help you be more strategic. If you're in the middle of a time-consuming candidate campaign, we can take it off your plate. And if your HR team is having difficulty delivering the right team members, we can be their support. See strategy, positioning, promotion, filtering, interviewing, and assessing, they are all a tremendous amount of very important work, even for organizations with seasoned HR teams. But our expert team does it every day, all day. And it's not just our expertise you'll be accessing. We run one of the largest remote job boards and databases of qualified candidates on the web. Why not work directly with a team who hires hundreds of A players annually for businesses just like yours? So if you run a remote first company, we can help you grow faster and smarter. And the best part is we charge just one simple flat fee for every hire. And with Dynamite Jobs Recruiting, your results are guaranteed. To learn more about how we can help you grow, head on over to dynamitejobs.com and click on the Hire With Us link. Let's move on to the eighth trend. Selling your business may be just a little overrated. There's a lot of stories that came my way this weekend, Ian, and part of it is that we wrote a book about it. Okay, so we're attracting the message a little bit. But, you know, right now, multiples for businesses are at an all-time high, super frothy, right? What you got three times EBITDA just a few years ago, now you're getting five plus. There's all kinds of legibility around the space and around the assets that we're building. So now you've got the big boys, so to speak, pulling together money and chucking it at businesses like this. So a lot of folks that cashed out previously and looking to put that cash to work now realize they'd rather be in assets. I talked to several people this weekend, Dan, that the idea had crossed their mind basically to cash out. And then they kind of ran the math. And we're like, hey, even if my business is in decline, like I own this asset and it's spinning off something every month. So I think people are starting to like get hip to this idea that like, yeah, maybe especially now, like asset prices are like, way higher and way more value than cash. So I'm going to just hold on to this thing and then I'm going to spin off a little cash from it. A lot less talk about selling businesses and a lot more talk about like, hey, how can I like do something else? How can I get somebody to run this? How can I just like keep this going? How can I go to the extreme of like cutting costs like within my business or overhead and like actually making it more profitable? Things like this people were talking about much more so than selling their business. And I think when you also see people that are more advanced in their careers or with their asset holdings. So for example, all those people that went to that 2016 session about why they should invest in Bitcoin, 
like all of a sudden they have that asset pad where the idea of cashing out another asset category like doesn't make any sense, especially given how li- liquid the environment is right now. Like if you want to raise capital, there's not a lot of impediment to doing that right now. So I mean, there's literally people in the room that are like, I'm looking to give loans to this. I'm looking to buy a part of your company. Like, yeah. It's like if you want to raise funding, it's just not that difficult right now, relatively speaking. And that's a wonderful time to be an entrepreneur. Number nine, the question has over the years been legitimately posed, Ian, if it was possible to be a digital nomad with a family. The question has just moved to like more of a practical conversation, which is, this is how we're doing it. There's no longer a question anymore. I'm glad I get to answer this one in person because it's like I get to not be a generalist, which I consider myself to be, right? It's like I actually have real experience in this. <laughs> and I think the answer is a uh, nomad's going to nomad. If you were traveling before you had a kid, you're going to travel after. My kid has a ton of stamps in his passport. And that's because I have a ton of stamps in my passport. And that's going to be the way it is. And like, <laughs> yes, he has had a major meltdown on a plane. No, I did not feel bad about it because we we're going to an exotic location. So yeah, these things, they all happen. Relatively easy to get a babysitter in Mexico City. We did that. Uh, relatively inexpensive to get a nanny. Uh, Long term, I was talking to people about doing that. You know, there's international schools all over the place. There's tons of options to travel with your kid. I don't think that many people, Dan, brought their kid to Mexico because a lot of them like dropped them off with grandma and grandpa. I was surprised to hear about that. And the reason I was surprised to hear about that is because everybody, every event always asks us like, hey, what are you doing for families? What are you doing for kids? So this year, what did we do? We set up a family meetup that two people came to, including (laughs) myself. So I'm going to do that one more time. I will do that at the next event. I will do that one more time. And if none of you guys bring your kids and your family, then (laughs) I'm going to realize that you weren't really asking for it. You were just complaining about not having it. The session. (laughs) This cracked me up so much about this event. The session about educating children and having them and like the different techniques that everybody's using. The information about doing this, very popular. Very, very popular. When push comes to shove and you're flying to Mexico for a week to party and to have fun with 200 other entrepreneurs, you're leaving the kiddos at home. (laughs) (laughs) The number 10 trend is location independent entrepreneurship as a career choice. Like, this has become now a legible career choice. Like we talked about on Hacker News, 80% of tech jobs now have this remote option. Who knows what the actual number is? But the idea is, is that it's sort of interesting that we're the trend, right? All of a sudden, like you said, like we were listening to this band before they were cool. And now all of a sudden, this is just how people are living. And I wonder how that trend is going to affect our community. I think a lot of people are looking at it as a possibility for their lives. So I think it's, it's going to be an interesting few years here as the world sort of looks our community's direction, maybe for some guidance, or maybe they just act like we never existed, which is probably... Like- <laughs> well, like again, what's going to happen is like the tech community is going to take over this narrative, I'm sure. And so they'll look to them to guidance. So that's okay. So to recap, those are 10 trends that we noticed at uh, DC Mexico this past week for 2022. And I just want to, you know, one final thing here on the event is thank Jeff Picaro and all of our speakers. This event was remarkable in that there was just no outside speakers. We didn't even 
bother because so many community members raised their hand. They were willing to share their stories in progress, warts and all, to go through the process with Jeff to create amazing slides, to tell hilarious, touching stories. Maybe perhaps the repetition of having done it so much over the years, you know, like the community is really on board with what we're trying to do. We want to hear actually what you're doing. It's been incredible. I don't think we've ever had content this good at any of our previous events. There's a lot of laughs. Sometimes there's some tears. And the reason for that is because it's real. The other thing that's worth noting about the speeches at our conferences is they're not so much speeches as they are conversations. There are two ways. Like It's like, hey, this is what I did. What do you think? And a lot of times this will start a whole other conversation. This will start a whole other session. It's really, really fun to have conversations. It's really fun not to have to kiss the ring. It's really fun too not to hear a speech that you've heard before. All the presentations that were given were like first-time presentations because they have to be because they're from something real that actually (laughs) happened like 12 months ago. And I think that this is what makes it exciting for both the speakers and also the audience. I just want to say too, Dan, this is what makes it really hard, you know, because these aren't professional speakers. So again, shout out to Jeff and all the speakers that came that took the time to put together a presentation with meaningful content. Cool. So those are our 10 trends. Let's play some transition music or something and talk about some of our plans for the future. So Ian, one of the interesting things we talked about, our revenues got cut by 50% during COVID because all of our events went away. So it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose, coming back to a new city. It's a new event. There's a lot of new members there. It was such an incredible learning experience. And I just feel like I have pages and pages and pages of takeaways. So many things we can improve upon, do better, change. And so it looks like 2022 is going to be a year of change and renewal for the community. Maybe just roll out, mention a few things. The first is that it looks like we're going to have an event at least every month, if not more, because one of the big suggestions is that not only do we roll out a robust schedule, we call it the DC Hodge internally, like this idea that every month you could travel to a new city and like see a bunch of DCers, but it looks like there's a lot more casual stuff going on too. People getting together more agilely, kind of coming into the event, like, man, 12 events is pretty ambitious. I'm coming out of the event thinking, yeah, 12 is like basically the baseline for this community. There's a lot of desire for events and for meetups. Yeah, it feels good kind of to get back to 2019. You know, we had a full schedule there and I think like everybody raised their hand. I didn't even know how many people were going to show up to Mexico. Honestly, Dan, it was like all these people bought tickets and I was like, I don't know, man, maybe like they can't come. Maybe they don't show (laughs) up. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. But then everybody showed up. Well, a lot of people couldn't come. We were limited by the hotel, and I think that limitation has changed this week. I'm not sure, but they were like 220. That's it. Anyways, everybody raised their hand. Everybody came, and then I think what was interesting to me, like everybody was like, "What's the plan?" Like <laughs> it's like game on, you know. We're traveling, so we're gonna roll out a very aggressive, exciting, ambitious plan for 2022. It's gonna be a lot of the cities that you like to go to, a lot of cities that you probably haven't gone to before but I'm very excited about this. I'm seeing a ski trip here. I'm seeing places like London, Playa del Carmen, New York City, Budapest. I got Bangkok on here. It's exciting. People want more varied events. 
maybe not necessarily always have to bond over business content, but you could bond over an activity like skiing. You get to sit on the lift with people, really get to know them. That's kind of something the members are really asking for. I think just some changes with the DC. You know, I think we're due for a price increase. The DC product and packaging and messaging has really been exactly the same for the last five years. And so I think there's an opportunity for us to clarify the value that we're delivering there and just be better entrepreneurs and community leaders. And so I think I'm really excited for that challenge. I think we can do a better job for our sponsors. Our sponsors for this event were the Empire Flippers and Smash Digital. Along with Dynamite Jobs, we all had our booze in the lobby and swag and stuff. And I feel like we can really improve what we're doing for our sponsors. And so that's a challenge I want to take on for the next event. Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing to improve our relationship, especially with Empire Flippers, is uh, they left their t-shirts out one <laughs> afternoon with the booth unattended. I'm wearing mine. And, yeah, I actually went by there, guys. I'm sorry. And I took, I think, seven t-shirts. I uh, went to you know. our team and I said, <laughs> our t-shirts need to be made at the same factory as the Empire Flippers t-shirts because I can wear this shirt like every day for a year and it still looks good. It still feels good. And it's super high quality. So thanks to the Empire Flippers for having the best t-shirts in the game. And thanks to Smash Digital's Travis Jameson, they're the no bullshit SEO firm. They talk straight, just like the founder, Travis. We had some amazing hangs with Travis in Mexico City. What a generous, humble... This guy gives back through his talks, through helping younger entrepreneurs. I think Travis is one of those guys who really sets the tone for the way DCers treat each other with kindness, with openness, with compassion, and just a whole lot of fun. All right, that's it, Ian. A lot more on this and other topics. We'll get back to uh, normally scheduled programming next Thursday morning. Special thanks to everyone who joined us down in Mexico City. Can't wait to see you next time. See you there. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.